Certainly has been a great morning to be here. Thank you again. We have a great crowd here today. May God bless you as we have worshipped our Father in spirit and truth. If you have your Bible, please open it up to Hosea chapter 4. We're going to begin in the Old Testament today in Hosea chapter 4. We're going to look at some of the minor prophets just for a brief moment in Hosea chapter 4. And we'll begin our study there in just a moment. Now, we have, may, may have some more visitors from the community. Thank you for being here. If you have any Bible questions or are interested in a Bible study, we'd love to study the Word of God with you. We'll begin in Hosea chapter 4 here in just a moment. I want to begin by taking you back a few years ago. I had a conversation with a brother in Christ a few years ago. I can't remember exactly when. This brother was concerned about another brother in Christ. So he came to me and asked for some guidance, some advice about how he might be able to, to talk to this other brother. This other brother had not been around for a while. He was no longer attending services, and obviously we were very concerned about him. And so the other brother went to him and, and talked to him, and he came back and he shared some things with me that were pretty sad to hear. The brother essentially said that he wasn't willing or ready to, to give up the things that he wanted to do to come back and to worship God and ultimately to, to follow Jesus. And so the brother obviously was concerned and I was concerned. He wanted to know what else could we say? How could we influence this brother? And so I said, well, maybe ask him another question. And one of the questions I shared with him just to ask him would be, do you love Jesus? You know, do you really love Jesus? Are you willing, uh, really willing to, to follow him? So the brother went back to him and he asked him the question and he came back to me. And his answer was pretty shocking. His answer was, yes, I do love Jesus. But do you see the problem with that answer? On one hand, he said that he wasn't ready to come back and wasn't going to come back because he wasn't ready to stop doing the things that he wanted to do. But then on the other hand, he didn't say that he hated God or hated Christ or anything like that, but he said, no, I love Jesus. Now, we all see the problem with that, right? There is a problem, there's a disconnect with what he was saying, with what he was actually doing. And it's fascinating and sad and tragic that this brother in Christ, and to this day, I don't know what has happened to him, but what else is sad is that sometimes there are other brethren who can have this mindset. This mindset is wrong, by the way, we all know that too, right? This mindset of, well, I can just kind of do whatever I want to do. It's almost a mindset of, you know, God, I think we'll understand, and when I'm ready to do what, what I'm ready to do, then I'll get to that point. When I think about this brother and others sometimes, I think about individuals who have a spirit of, of apathy, a, a spirit of maybe indifference, who have, become, uh, who have become stagnant in spirit. They are just kind of seeking to do their own thing, and, and while God has some things that they want him to do or want them to do, they're not really that concerned with it. This has really been a mindset, not just for this brother in Christ, but this has been a mindset for many of those who have been called the people of God throughout the centuries. Indifference, indifference toward God and that God doesn't really matter or he can just kind of understand where I am at this moment. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that we need to know is that indifference in the eyes of God is always intolerable. It is not something that he just will just condone and say this is okay. We understand this idea of indifference. We don't like it when someone is indifferent towards us, whether it's someone in a grocery store, at a restaurant, or even someone in our own home. 
We don't like this attitude of being indifferent or just kind of becoming stagnant. If that is the case, then how much worse is it when it comes to God? I mentioned this passage in my, in my Bible class this morning from Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 1. The minor prophets, the minor prophets are so powerful because you see this interaction between God and his people. God would send the prophets time and time again to his people to wake them up, to help them to see there is a problem, a major problem. It requires change immediately. While the Israelites often would contend against God and wag their finger in the face of God and say, well, you're the one that has, that's done all of this. What we find in Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 1 is that God had a case against them. In Hosea chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says this, Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes, along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky, and also the fish of the sea disappear. Yet let no one find fault, and let none offer reproof, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. So you will stumble by day, and the prophet also will stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. God had a case against his people, and these words are really... I think scary to, to even consider. Where he had a case against them. He was not pleased with them. He was not happy with their conduct, their sinful behavior, and their spirit that they had. This is a question I think we need to ask ourselves. Does God ever have a problem with us? As you think about this kind of heart that these individuals had, does he have a problem with us? Throughout the history of Israel, you can see that a spirit of indifference These individuals became stagnant in spirit. They just kind of had this mentality that God is not really going to be too concerned about what we do. It had infiltrated their camp. And it slowly but surely, like a death by a thousand cuts, led them into destruction, led them to ruin. And one of the most powerful examples of this is found in a small book in the Old Testament, the book of Zephaniah. Will you turn over there to Zephaniah chapter 1? There is language in verse number 12 that I want to use to kind of launch our thoughts as we think about something that all of us need to think about and learn and just be reminded of as we think about our walk with Jesus. I was thinking of that song, Each Step of the Way. Think about the brother in Christ. He was no longer walking in step with Jesus. And yet we need to make sure that we are walking in step with Jesus each step of the way. Because there's something very dangerous that can happen to us if not careful. In Zephaniah chapter 1, we find a problem that many of those in Israel had. It could be a problem that we can have if not careful. In Zephaniah chapter 1, let's actually pick up in verse 4. God is speaking and he says, So I will stretch out my hand against Judah. So he's talking about his people. And against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. And the names of the idolatrous priests along with the priest and those who bow down in the housetops to the host of heaven and those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear to Milcom and those who have turned back from following the Lord and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of him. He said, be silent before the Lord God for the day of the Lord is near for the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. 
He has consecrated his guests. Then it will come about on the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes, the king's sons, and will clothe themselves with foreign garments. And I will punish on that day all who leap on the temple threshold, who fill the house of the Lord with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, there will be the sound of a cry from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. Well, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the people of Canaan will be silenced. All who weigh out silver will be cut off. It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men. God said, I'm going to destroy. I'm going to lead my people. They're going to be taken away into captivity. I will punish the men, listen to what he says here, who are stagnant in spirit, who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. That phrase in verse 12 is what I want us to think about for a few minutes this morning, that many of those in Jerusalem, many of God's people, many of those of Judah, they had become stagnant in spirit. They had this mindset of rebellion towards God, and their, their thought was God will not do good, and he certainly is not going to do evil. And so we can just kind of remain exactly where we are. Some translations or the idea behind this idea of being stagnant in spirit is that they essentially had kind of just settled down. They were kind of comfortable where they were. They had become complacent, and no doubt they had become indifferent. What's interesting, this language here, stagnant, is found, this word is found back in Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 8. If you recall back in Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 8, and I think it gives a good illustration of the mindset that these people had. In Exodus chapter 15, after God had delivered his people, we see the song that Moses sang. And in verse number 8, it says, At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. So remember what happened with the Red Sea and how God separated the water and they were piled up on either side. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. That term congealed is the same word as stagnant. And so I think it paints a really powerful picture of how that water was just on either side, just kind of standing there, idle, just in that one place. And that's what had happened to the saints or to the Israelites back in the Old Testament. They had become stagnant. There was no growth. There was no progression. They were sluggish or inactive. And certainly they had disobeyed God in the way that they had lived. They had become stagnant in spirit. They had become indifferent toward his commands and his instructions. And as a result of that, and as a result of that, God is going to, he's going to punish them. And he's going to help them to see the error in their ways. They are going to become a sacrifice. And they're going to lose and go into captivity. This short book of Zephaniah is a powerful book. Because it reminds us of some things about God. It reminds us of some things about his nature. As a people of God, making sure that we have the proper perspective of who God is. And I want to make sure that we understand that this idea of being stagnant in spirit or having this heart of indifference, it's intolerable in the eyes of God. It's not something that he desires and it's not something that we can just stay in and remain. We can't just stay in this particular state if we have found ourselves there. It would creep into the hearts of Judah. And I want to know, this is a question we all need to know, has it crept into our hearts? I want to just consider a couple of extra thoughts from, from Zephaniah, as I saw, or as we just read there in verse number 12, we see this problem. This book was written between maybe 640 to 623 B.C. Zephaniah had prophesied during the days of King Josiah. 
King Josiah, if you recall, was a good king. He did some good things, and he made some good reforms. You read about some of the things that he did in Second Chronicles chapter 34. But ultimately, it would not be enough for the people of God. The northern kingdom had already been taken into captivity, and it was only a matter of time before the southern kingdom would be taken into captivity. Yes, there were some reforms that had taken place, but there were some issues that were not resolved with respect to the heart. And as a result of this, Zephaniah is going to let his people know, let the Israelites know that judgment is coming. In verse number 14 of Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. The idea of judgment. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it, the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. Indeed, judgment was going to come upon God's people. And this is what makes it so frightening and humbling to read and consider that they had fallen so far off from where God wanted them to be. And yet, despite all of this, the people had the mind to say in verse number 12, they say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. In other words, it's okay to be here. It's okay just to kind of fall into this this place that we have fallen into with respect to our walk with God. God will understand. He's not going to do good. He's not going to do evil. I think everything is just going to work out okay. Well, the rest of the prophecy helps them to see that was not going to be the case. That God was not pleased with the spirit, with the heart that they had. He would remind them that this indifference, this apathy, this stagnant spirit was inexcusable in his sight. And a question I think for all of us, as I was reading this and thinking about this, and many of the prophets are very similar, and yet they're all distinct. As I was reading about this, how 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 did the people even get to this point? Because that's a very important point for us to think about. How did they get to this point? They could just have the audacity to say, well, God's not going to do good or evil. Everything's just going to kind of work out okay. One of the things, and we've looked at this before, I want to go back to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 26, Jeremiah was no doubt a very strong man. Because Jeremiah had to do a, a, a very tough task. He had to talk to people whose hearts were rebellious who were not interested in necessarily listening to the word of God. Very similar with Ezekiel when he was in captivity in Babylon. He still had to preach to the people, and many of them just did not want to listen. What we know is that in, in this time, during this time, the people of God, even though their hearts would have become stagnant and indifferent, they were still going along doing certain things. There were still certain actions that were taking place. And uh, Jeremiah 26 and verse 1, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house, speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I have commanded you to speak to them. Do not omit a word. I love this chapter here. This is Jeremiah's sermon of what he's going to have to preach to the people of God. He said, Don't omit a word, perhaps they will listen, and everyone will turn from his evil way, that I may repent of the calamity which I am planning to do to them because of the evil of their deeds. And you will say to them, Thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me, to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to listen to the words of my servants and the prophets, whom I have been sending to you again and again, but you have not listened. 
Then I will make this house like Shiloh. And this city I will make a curse to all the nations of the earth. When after Jeremiah would relay this message, the people were not pleased. They were ready to kill him. But one of the things that's interesting about all of this is that the people of God were going to worship him. They were worshiping him seemingly on a regular basis. They had their priests and they had their prophets for spiritual guidance. And even when you look over in the book of Hosea again, turn back to Hosea chapter 6 this time. When you look at some of the other prophets, the people often said the right things. They not only did the right things, but they often said the right things as well. They were going to worship, and and they seemingly said the things that would sound great. In Hosea chapter 6 and verse number 1, Hosea 6 and verse number 1, the people said, Come, let us return to the Lord. That sounds good. For he has torn us, but, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. Okay, God is upset, but everything's going to kind of work out okay. Just give it a couple of days and everything will go out okay, work out okay. And God said, no, that's not going to be the case at all. In verse number four, he said, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? It's almost like a sigh. What, am I, how am I, what do you want me to do? What shall I do with you, O Judah, for your loyalty is like a morning cloud. Now we're starting to see part of the problem. See it? Yeah, they were going to worship services and they were saying the right things. But you see where their hearts were? Your loyalty is like a morning cloud. See the illustration he's trying to get across? Got a little bit of it, but it ain't going to be around too long. Your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. They weren't really loyal to their God. Sure, they worshiped. Sure, they said the right things. But their hearts were not where they needed to be. God won't do good or evil to us. We're his people. Therefore, I have hewn them in pieces by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth. You see, what God delighted in, he said in verse 6, I delight in loyalty. I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Their heart was far from God. How do they get to this place? Lack of loyalty, lack of gratitude. The Israelites were God's elect. They were God's special people. They had all these wonderful promises given to them. God had fulfilled the things he said he would do. In Joshua, you read that book, Now, of all the promises, not a word of the Lord failed. All the things that he said he would give them, he gave to them. But there's a lack of loyalty and there's a lack of gratitude. There's a lack of remembrance of being delivered, their ancestors being delivered from Egypt and the Red Sea and all the battles that God had allowed them to be victorious in. They had forgotten the goodness of God and they had fallen into this stagnant, complacent, indifferent spirit which was intolerable in the eyes of the true and living God. They had a lot of great things. In Amos chapter 6, they were living a good life, but they were far from God. In Amos chapter 6, we kind of get a little bit, uh, a little bit more of, of the problem that they had and the situation where we find, where we find them. In Amos chapter 6, uh, as he talked about the people of God, he said in verse 4, Those who recline on beds of ivory and sprawl on their couches and eat lambs from the flock 
and calves from the midst of the stall who improvise to the sound of the harp and like David have composed songs for themselves who drink wine from sacrificial bowls while they anoint themselves with the finest of oils. Yet they have not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore they will now go into exile at the head of the exiles and the sprawlers banqueting will pass away. They had a great life. But they had missed out on something very important. And as a result of that, as a result of their hearts, their indifference, their stagnant spirit, there were going to be swift consequences that would come. And we know the rest of the story. We know what would happen when they went into Babylonian captivity. They were stagnant in spirit. Zephaniah, he warned them and he told them this is what is going to happen because of the heart that they had. And as you think about this heart that they had, this heart of being stagnant in spirit... It's easy to look at them, but you know what? We can look at many others, and one I want to look at in particular are some of the Christians in the first century. In Revelation chapter 3, we find a church, the church of Laodicea, who had, it appears, they had this same kind of mindset, this same kind of heart. I love love Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. As you look at, we find these different examples of these churches in the first century. And some of the challenges that they had and some of the good things that they were doing. There are many, many great things that some of the brethren were doing. But we see some of the biggest obstacles that they had to avoid or needed to overcome, needed to repent of. Those obstacles, those challenges are many of the same things that we need to make sure that we do not fall prey to. In Revelation chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 14, To the angel of the church and Laodicea write, The amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds. And that's a pretty powerful thought as well, isn't it? That God knows their deeds. Jesus knew their deeds. He knows our deeds. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Jesus is saying, look, figure out what what, what are you doing? I know who you are. I know your deeds and I know you're not cold, but you're not hot. So I wish that you were either cold or hot. Make it up, make up your mind. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's kind of a scary phrase and thought to think about. I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, now we get to get some insight with their hearts, with their minds. They say, because you say, I'm rich. I'm rich. And I've become wealthy. and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Sure, they had all the things physical possessions and things like that, but they were missing out on something. They had these blind spots, and they didn't even realize there were these blind spots. They were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold, refined by fire so that you may become rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love. I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Jesus said, you can't stay in this situation. You can't remain this way because it's disgusting to me. It's appalling to me that you have this audacity to say, you know, everything is good. And you're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. That's embarrassing. So you need to repent. You need to be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame 
and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It is one of the most fascinating and and frightening thoughts of God and how he saw his people in the days of Zephaniah, stagnant in spirit. And fast forward to the first century, how Jesus saw his people God saw his people stagnant in spirit, not not hot, not cold, but lukewarm. And this was not going to sit well with Jesus. Indifference, stagnant in spirit. We can have this conception or mindset that everything is okay, but Jesus ultimately sees our hearts. And one of the lessons I think we can learn from this is, have we become stagnant in spirit? Have we become indifferent? When it comes to who God is, when it comes to his word, when it comes to to what he wants us to be as his people. I'm using these examples here because if it happened with the Israelites, if it happened with brethren in the first century, then can it not happen to us even right now? The brother that I mentioned to you earlier, he just had this spirit, this this mindset of God will just kind of understand. I'm going to do my thing and I'm not ready to give up my thing to say yes to Jesus. Well, that's not going to work. And I don't think he would ever say, well, I I hate Jesus. I hate God. But Jesus did say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus has expectations for his people. And this idea of just being stagnant in spirit and different, that's not going to fly with God. That's not going to work. I know we're in the busiest or maybe the busiest month of the year, December. Anybody feel like things are going like really, really fast? Things are going really, really fast. But you know what we all need to do? We all need to slow down and reflect. This time of year, we kind of do that, right? We kind of of reflect and think about where we've been and what we want to do. And next year is a big year. It's 2020, starting a new decade and things like that. Maybe a couple of questions to ask ourselves is, how has our walk been this year? Where are we in our walk this year? We need to examine our hearts. At the beginning of this year, I did a lesson called It's All About Heart. In fact, I did two lessons called in January, It's All About Heart. The Israelites got to the point where they just felt like everything was okay. And they had missed it entirely. They failed to listen to the standard of God's word. They failed to realize God's expectations. They put themselves in front of God and what they wanted to do. And they just thought God would just kind of sit by and think everything was okay. That's not how it works. We need to examine our hearts, brothers and sisters, as well. Have we become stagnant or indifferent when it comes to worship? Have have our prayers become kind of settled or stagnant, just kind of remaining where we are? What is our perspective in our walk with God? I think one of the, the best passages to think about as we consider our hearts is found in second peter chapter one some of the problems that the israelites had i think peter addresses here to the saints in second peter chapter one that when it comes to christianity when it comes to being a disciple of jesus christ there needs to be this constant growth there needs to be this constant adding to our faith peter's going to talk about what we need to be focusing upon and adding to our faith as he said in verse number five now for this very reason also apply all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours notice what he says and are increasing 
So we don't just kind of sit by. We don't kind of just say, well, I've kind of arrived. I've, I've made it. No, we keep moving forward. If these qualities are yours, we keep becoming more like Christ. We keep becoming more like our Father in heaven. Be holy, for I am holy. That's what Peter would say. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Israelites became unfruitful because they just remained where they were. There was no reverence for God. There was no growth. They took him for granted. They took his mercy and his grace for granted. Peter reminds us that that we can be fruitful for the cause of Christ. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch what he says here. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. And that's what happened, I think, with the Israelites. They became blind. They became short-sighted. That's what happened to the brethren in Laodicea. They became blind. They didn't even see all of the problems that they had. He who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. You think about what all the things that God did for the Israelites and how he had delivered them, how he had given them so much. And essentially, that's kind of what happened to them. They forgot They took all those blessings for granted, and they became stagnant in spirit. They had this mindset of indifference, and yet the prophet would remind them that that indifference, that type of heart is intolerable in the eyes of God. Peter helps us to see that we need to continue to add to our faith, that we need to continue to remember, that we need to continue to be grateful for who we are and what God has done for us. Stagnant in spirit is really disgusted in the eyes of God. Jesus said, you're not hot, you're not cold, but I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It is not what he expects, not what he desires, and it's not what he's going to tolerate. So for all of us, we have to examine our hearts and see if we have become stagnant in spirit. And if we have, remember what the church of Laodicea were to do, was to do. Be zealous and repent. You see, he expects us to change. Being stagnant in spirit is no kind of spirit for us to have. And so our call, our action is to be zealous and fruitful in heart, to grow and to appreciate and to know the great God that we serve. Let's fear him, let's love him, and let's keep his commandments. Thank you for your attention this morning. Maybe there's someone here who has not yet become a Christian If you have not yet become a Christian, he wants you to become one. He wants you to believe in his son, Jesus, as the Christ, the son of the living God. He doesn't want you just to stop after you obey the gospel. He wants you to grow, and he wants you to serve him, and he wants you to be zealous for him the rest of your days. We can help you to become a Christian. Now is your time as we stand and as we sing.